Happy Monday. Welcome to another sneak preview. I'm Connor Izagari. And I'm Austin Johnson. And today we're kind of bummed out. Uh, <laughs> we had every intention of doing the French Dispatch on today's episode. But thanks to sparse theater availability and the fact that it isn't getting a wide release until this coming Friday, our hands were tied. So sorry if all you any uh, Oscar Sunday fans who listen to our Grand Budapest episode have come here for Wes Anderson part two, mea culpa. We, we, we really wanted to, but we, we couldn't. It's not here till this Friday. So sorry. Yeah. Yeah. No one's more upset than we are about uh, the momentum we had going with Wes Anderson. You had watched all of his movies, you know, getting ready to go see the new one in theaters. Uh, and like you said, you know, we live in, we live in South Texas and it's got a pretty limited release for, you know, this past weekend and just, just opened and heard great things about it, read great things about it. Uh, but unfortunately uh, we will not be able to see it until next weekend. And <clears throat> what sucks more about that is like, you know, with sneak preview, we don't want to uh, ever be behind. So yeah. one day uh, after it gets a bunch of Oscar nominations, we'll be able to do an Oscar Sunday. Uh, but next week is like super intense and has three or films. So moving, and you know, sorry, sorry, dispatch. We love you. <laughs> yeah. Next week's pretty loaded. Uh, otherwise I would cram it into next week's episode, but, and I'll probably, you know, I am going to see this now, nah. so I will mention it probably, but yeah. it, it won't be a focus regrettably. Uh, and if anybody, yeah, exactly. That, whatever studio is producing French dispatch, it's their fault. So blame them. Uh, <laughs> that, that happens a lot with his movies you know that's that's the way that's the way of the you know kind of uh independent auteur filmmakers they sometimes don't get the giant audiences like something like dune which is like the sci-fi film everybody wants to see so yeah it makes sense it, it makes sense <laughs> it does make sense but i just all right admittedly dune was good and i will say yeah. that I yeah. wasn't expecting Dune to be good. I was expecting this to be a two and a half hour uh, stroke fest for Denis, but I actually thought this was a fun movie and I liked it. So we'll Me get too. into it. But uh, yeah, I've got a lot to, to say about, as uh, Caleb calls him, Dennis Villeneuve. <laughs> oh, jeez. <laughs> yeah, zero respect on Caleb's part. He's, he hates this man so much. <laughs> I, I just don't care. I just don't care. Uh, so many of my favorite filmmakers are just pricks, you know, and like, like, have you heard Quentin Tarantino speak? <laughs> like, you know, I like these guys, Martin Scorsese, like these, these guys think they're God's gift to earth. And if their work is good, I, I just don't give a shit. <laughs> yeah. I'm pretty much in the same boat, but you know, certain things get under my skin, but you know what? Let's, Put all that aside for now and have a surprise Denny Villeneuve episode that nobody saw coming, especially us. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, and I, what's what's kind of okay about that is I am a huge, huge, huge fan of his work. Uh, you know, uh, Prisoners, Enemy, Arrival, Blade Runner. All, like, I love all of those. Sicario, I love all those movies. I think they're all fantastic. Me too. I've, I did some extra prep for this because... You know, thankfully, we learned in time that this was going to have to be our episode. Uh, yeah. Thankfully, we didn't we didn't learn like, you know, two hours ago. That would that would have really sucked. Uh, yeah. So here we go. Uh, 
the other major release of this past weekend, Dune. Uh, but first, let's see what happened last week in film. Last week in film. First up, trailers. I've got four to talk about today. First up, the second trailer for Netflix's Red Notice, starring Dwayne Johnson, Ryan Reynolds, and Gal Gadot. It's Netflix on November 12th. Uh, looks like pretty much everything else uh, Dwayne Johnson and Ryan Reynolds have done separately, but combined with their charisma. And you know what? Fuck it. I'll, I'll watch it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think they're two of the biggest uh, surefire box office guys these days. And yeah. it's, it's kind of for a reason. You know, they're both, like you said, super charismatic and have, a, have an energy about them that's pretty pretty contagious so they're fun to watch on the big screen yeah i mean you know i liked free guy i liked jumanji like hobbs and shaw so i know exactly what's going to happen in this movie i don't fucking care so this will be entertaining yeah there you go uh next up michael bay's new crime thriller ambulance starring jake gyllenhaal yaya abdul mateen ii and aisa gonzalez it's theaters february 18th michael bay when he's not blowing up robots actually does a pretty decent job with uh, crime thrillers, as we've seen with the first two Bad Boys movies, The Rock, Pain and Gain. He's on a small scale. He's not bad. So this could be something. Yeah, I totally agree. I think when he's forced to be a be a filmmaker, <laughs> he's good. He is good. I, I think all like all those movies you named are all pretty entertaining. And uh, of course, you know, I'm a complete sucker for Jake Gyllenhaal. I'm becoming a sucker for Yatin, and I think I think this is going to be worth our time. I think so. This looks uh, good. I'm, I'm filling out the 2022 uh, sneak preview schedule and looking at all the movies we're going to be getting. And I like when little you know movies like this that I didn't know about pop up, and I'm like, ooh, can't wait to talk about that. There you go. Uh, next up, the long-awaited Lucille Ball and Desi Arnaz biopic Being the Ricardos, starring Nicole Kidman and Javier Bardem. It's theaters on December 10th and Prime Video on December 21st. And they've been talking about making this movie for quite some time. I remember Kate Blanchett was in talks to play Lucy and then she had to drop out and Nicole Kidman joined it. And I was kind of like, Kate Blanchett would have done better. But this does look, uh, looks like Nicole is stepping up. And uh, as you know, I have kind of a guy crush on Javier. So I am on board with this. And uh, I think Lucy is such a, she has such a cool story anyway. So I think this will be fun. Yeah. Yeah. No, I'm, I'm a huge Nicole Kidman fan, so I'm, I'm totally okay with that swap. Uh, she's, she's kind of won me over as I've been kind of just watching random stuff in my own time. I, I just watched for the first time, uh, uh, to die for from the mid nineties with her and super young Joaquin Phoenix. Uh, and she was fucking incredible in that movie. I, I like her a lot. And then I'm with you. Bardem. Bardem has part of my heart. <laughs> this will be cool. Um, finally, the long-awaited video game adaptation, Uncharted, starring Tom Holland as intrepid explorer Nathan Drake and Mark Wahlberg as his mentor, Victor Sullivan. It's theaters February 18th after a decade of being stuck in production hell. Uh, I want this to be good, but this looks so painfully generic that I'm really bummed out. Yeah, this is one where you'll have to kind of wait and see if it um, 
because it's your expectations are set a certain place and then they're set back by what you hear and what you hear about the production. You're hoping they kind of turn that back around to pull a 180 of the sorts. Uh, Tom Holland, while he is an absolute superstar, like he, you have to be careful with what you choose right now, what to do, because you do not want to become the guy who just plays Spider-Man. And as he's in his mid twenties, you like have to make smart decisions outside of your franchise to be, to be respected. You know, I think, I think a guy like who we're going to talk about today, Timothy Chalamet has a bit more respect from the acting community because he's, he's consistently made challenging and like good decisions uh, uh, for his roles. And I I want Tom to do the same thing. Well, I mean, as we've seen this year in him, yeah, he does have it. But as we've seen this year, he has not been making those decisions. I mean, first it was chaos walking, then it was cherry. Now like uncharted is, seems like a sure bet, but I mean, it seems like they're doing the worst thing a movie adaptation of a game can do. They're ignoring the game, yeah. which yeah. <laughs> is fucking stupid. I, I don't know why they would do that. Uh, so, you know, I'm a big fan of Uncharted. I've played all the games. I love that franchise. So I have pretty high expectations here. And uh, I don't think they're going to ma- match up. No, yeah. That, I think that's totally fair. So at this point, what you do is go in and expecting shit, and hopefully you get proven wrong. <laughs> hopefully. Hopefully. Yeah. Ugh, video game movies. I'd, will they ever will they ever work out? I mean, occasionally we get a Mortal Kombat or a Sonic the Hedgehog, but most of the time it's fucking Street Fighter and Double Dragon. <laughs> yeah, I'm, it's not a it's not a genre that works. Uh, maybe one time out of ten, each you know each go around. So yeah, it's not easy. I would never try. Like if I were if I were making those choices, I would never be like, oh, I'm going to take on this this video game franchise that's beloved by serious video game players. No, no, thank you. <laughs> yeah. It does not seem like a smart career move on no. like, anybody. Ah, and then Mark Wahlberg, like, is it just me or are you getting tired of this guy? Oh, extremely. I've been tired of Mark Wahlberg for like a decade. Uh, <laughs> he, he showed so much promise, I think at certain points in his career. And then, did what Tom Holland's doing right now. Just made like shit decisions and occasionally did something fun. Like I really like him and the other guys. Uh, I like, um, what's the one where he's at the Boston marathon? Uh, Patriots day. That one's all right. That one's okay. Uh, but all the other, like just kind of garbage in between is, I, I don't know. It's, it's a movie star just saying, I'm just going to kind of, pull that card over and over and over and it's not fun it's like kind of like will smith too it's like what are y'all doing y'all are good y'all are pretty good y'all are pretty pretty fun to watch if y'all do the right thing uh yeah i mean his role in the departed is one of the best things i've ever seen and of course uh being the star of boogie nights at the beginning of his career i if i would have been age i am in 1997 seeing him there i'd be like oh this guy's gonna be a fucking hell of an actor and now he's just kind of a movie star and i, I hate when that happens I hate that yeah, it's a bummer. Uh, well, Uncharted, February 18th. Obviously, I'll be talking about it here. Uh, eh, expectations are high. Yeah, yeah. Just leave them there, and you know, hopefully you're surprised. Hopefully. Uh, moving on, Marvel has uh, surprisingly pushed all their 2022 movies by a few months. 
Obviously, if Marvel delays one movie, they're going to delay everything else because of the intricate nature of, of the ongoing franchise. Yeah. Doctor Strange in the Multiverse of Madness has been moved to May 6th. Thor Love and Thunder to July 8th. Black Panther Wakanda Forever to November 11th. The Marvels to February 17th, 2023. And Ant-Man and the Wasp Quantumania to July 28th, 2023. So nothing drastic. Uh, basically, Doctor Strange got pushed by like three months, which pushed everything else about three months. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I don't think it's COVID related. It's probably, you know, post-production issues. Yeah, it's probably, oh, fuck, we have a lot going on at once. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that could be it. They, they, don't have, they don't have anything to worry about, you know. Uh, they have so much stuff going on all the time. People talk about their content, movies, TV, whatever it is, more than anything else in the movie world. So it's, e- even if you just have, you know, people rewatching Loki to fucking, you know, catch little things they didn't catch before, that's always going to be happening. So they could they'll always find a way because people are going to get their ass in the seats when the movie comes out. And uh, Dr. Strange obviously is an anticipated, anticipated film. That first one was pretty awesome. How about Ant-Man getting three fucking movies? How about that? Isn't that crazy? I never would have thought. I mean, Ant-Man was the one everyone thought was going to bomb, was going to be pushed under the rug and everyone was going to forget that that ever existed. It ended up being two incredibly fun movies that I am anxiously awaiting the third uh i fucking love ant-man yeah paul rudd hats off to you man that's such that what a win for him you know i think people just wrote like you said wrote it off They're like oh ant-man this will be one of the this will be one of the weaker marvel movies and i think the second one's incredible <laughs> oh they're great the first one's pretty good the second one i thought was just a absolute ride yeah it's an absolute ride <laughs> i think it's cool that you know yeah marvel pushed a few movies but Look what we've got just for the rest of this year. We've got the Hawkeye series. We've got Eternals and we've got Spider-Man No Way Home. We're going to be fine. Exactly. Uh, Additionally, Disney has delayed Indiana Jones 5 by almost a full year with the film now coming out June 23rd, 2023. Supposed to come out this uh, coming July. Got pushed by a long while, probably because I don't think they're anywhere close to anything on this movie. I think that yeah, they've cast it. Yeah, they've written it. I think filming has barely begun. Uh, and I'm wondering why. Uh, I think I think James Mangold is just uh, in a world that he's not not used to. Uh, and I think it's it's going to be a, a major process. But I'll, I'll be ready. We'll be ready. That's going to be so cool because, you know, Harrison, obviously. Uh, Mads Mikkelsen, Antonio Banderas, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. Like, it's a really cool cast. And we'll, we'll be waiting. We'll be fine. You know, we got Indiana Jones movies to go back to if we ever get, you know, get that itch. So it'll be fine. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It'll be it'll be good. I just hope, you know, Harrison Ford doesn't wake up one day and realize, like, what the hell am I doing? I could be smoking pot, flying planes. Why am I doing this? <laughs> I think he thinks that every day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah. I feel like every day he has to just look briefly at his bank account to remind him why he's here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Christ. Like, he's he's going to be 80 years old next year. See what I mean? Like, Indy's 80. Real, he should not be doing this. No, probably not. 
just uh, yeah but but Mads Mickelson I'm in <laughs> that's all I need to know <laughs> well I'm hearing shit about like it's about the space race and Mickelson is a former Nazi and now it's like there's a time travel rumor and just calm the fuck down people yeah <laughs> just yeah, let us get good. a trailer before we start speculating that Indy's gonna go back in time and like I don't know push that thuggy cult guy into the fire before he can take that guy's heart out as much yeah. as I'd love to see that it's not going to happen. <laughs> no, it's not. Oh. Um, Danny DeVito has joined the surprisingly awesome cast of Disney's upcoming Haunted Mansion reboot. He joins Rosario Dawson, Owen Wilson, Lakeith Stanfield, and Tiffany Haddish. That is a fucking awesome cast. <laughs> yeah, loaded. <laughs> yeah. And now Frank Reynolds himself has graced this cast with his presence. This is going to be, I'm, I'm thinking it's going to be cool. <laughs> Yeah, me too. I I'm kind of a, kind of amped for that one. You know, I'm no. I'm probably I'm probably one of the people that's like in that that little tiny boat while everybody else is on the giant cruise ship of you know Eternals and Hawkeye and all that stuff. I'm I'm like I, haunted huh? the haunted movie looks kind of cool. <laughs> I, think, I, think, I think I'll go watch that. <laughs> a couple weeks ago, my cousin Miles sent me a, a video of it was um. From the Lion King, but there's a clip from the live action, well, quote unquote, live action Lion King, where um, Mufasa's climbing up the mountain and Scar's, you know, like long live the king and pushes him. But instead of Scar, it's Frank with the two by four going, oh, no, you don't. <laughs> and just pushing him off. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I fucking love it. I, ex- I love Danny DeVito. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I, and Frank Reynolds is, is definitely my favorite thing he's ever done. Uh, the best character he's ever given us, you know. <laughs> We're all living in a turtle's dream. <laughs> <laughs> so good. He's the man. Run, Pam. <laughs> oh, my God. Oh, fantastic. The pecan, <laughs> the pecan Sandys. <laughs> we got to get the kids to bop with us. <laughs> Uh, I don't know I how much, lo- how many years I got left on this earth. I'm going to get real weird with it. <laughs> when he comes out of the couch, like naked. <laughs> ah! When they find oh. him covered in hand sanitizer, he's just like, I'm, I am pure. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. I love oh. that show more than, more than most things in the world. <laughs> it's the best. It's so goddamn funny. Oh, uh, <laughs> moving on. Um, this has been kind of divisive. Harry Styles has apparently joined the MCU as Eros, the heroic brother of Thanos. Uh, Eros has also, he also, Eros also goes by the name Star Fox, and he is an Avenger. He will pop up in Eternals, which comes out in just a few weeks. Uh, if you know this character's backstory, this guy makes perfect sense. Uh, Eros is not a giant hulking purple giant like Thanos is. Eros is human shaped and is kind of a space playboy. <laughs> so this this makes sense. Oh, there you go. Yeah. <clears throat> also, who like at this point, why do fans like I think people just want to want to be contrarian sometimes, but why like have they have they failed you yet with all of their 30 movies? Have they failed you with their casting? No. So like let it happen. Let it happen, you know. I, I don't think I don't think there's any long lasting uh, for me anyway. Maybe maybe I'm missing somebody. 
but of, of like the Avengers, I'm like, I'm cool with everything they've done. I'm like, yeah, sure. That, that works just fine. As Norman Osborn once said, despite everything you have done for them, eventually they will hate you. It's, yeah, no. Kidding. As much as you, as you know, as much as Marvel succeeds, anytime there's a hint of possible, like even I mean, give the guy a chance. The movie's not even out yet. We don't know. Yeah, exactly. But to just the possibility that this might just make Eternals a little less great, they come out in full force, and we're like, "How dare you fuck with my movie?" And it's like, it's not your movie yet, bro. Like, yeah, stop it. <laughs> Disney owns you, punk. Yeah. <laughs> you are going to pay your $14. You're going to get your big fat popcorn and you're going to sit down and shut up and then you can complain later. Yeah. That's how it works. Yeah. And, and, and I think, I think with Harry Styles, it's like, Oh, he's supposed to be some pop singer. He can't, you know, it's like, I, I mean, plenty of people have crossed over and done, done just fine. I thought he was pretty good in Dunkirk too. So I, I don't know. People should just shut their mouths yeah, until it happens. There you go. I mean, we've seen, you know, boy bands produce pretty decent actors. Donnie Wahlberg, Justin Timberlake. Justin like, Timberlake, yeah. I think we're fine. And as you said, you know, Dunkirk. Harry Styles has proven he can act. And, uh, yeah, I'm going to give the guy the benefit of the doubt before I jump down his throat. Yeah, me too. Uh, I'm interested to see what you think of this. Ryan Gosling is in talks to play Ken in Greta Gerwig's upcoming Barbie movie starring Margot Robbie. You know I'm fucking amped for that. Come on. <laughs> Greta Gerwig, one of the one of the stronger up-and-coming filmmakers that we have, uh, and a really cool, really cool female voice in in kind of the mainstream for American filmmaking, making a Barbie movie with, of course, Margot Robbie, the stunning Australian, and Ryan Gosling, who's like one of the most gorgeous 40 something year old guys on the planet. It just, it totally makes sense that these two would uh, work together like this at some point with a filmmaker like Greta. I'm, yeah. I'm all in on that. that like, I, I've been seeing that news left and right on different kind of, uh, you know, movie profiles uh, and on Twitter, Instagram, whatever. And that's, that's been some of my favorite news and, in a week that's been kind of hard for the film community. So, you know, uh, yeah. it was, yeah, I, I'm happy with that. I, okay. So I think it's cool that Greta Gerwig and Noah Baumbach are writing the screenplay for Barbie. Greta Gerwig's directing it. Uh, I just, it's a Barbie movie. <laughs> like, yeah. I, it's just hard for me to accept that this is being treated as a legitimate film with yeah. like real people with like Oscar winners and Oscar nominees involved in the production. I'm like, what is this? <laughs> I, I, I don't really know. I don't really know what's happening. I just, I, I know I'm going to see it. <laughs> oh my God. It's like, you know, prepping for Martin Scorsese's GI Joe movie. It just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> These two worlds aren't supposed to collide. But I guess we will see. There's no, uh, there's no release date yet. They're still casting. Um, this one may be true. I don't know. There's a persistent rumor that one of Marvel's secret uh, upcoming films is World War Hulk, meaning Mark Ruffalo will finally get his own Hulk movie. Marvel it's about time. Not, yeah. Marvel has not yet confirmed or denied the rumor, but fans are hopeful. Uh, a leak specified that after the She-Hulk show, 
uh, which is that's going to lead into this Hulk movie, which means Disney may have acquired the individual film rights for Hulk from Universal and are doing it. Uh, I hope it's true, but I get why Disney isn't, you know, Marvel. Nobody's confirming this because we're not supposed to know about this yet. If it is true. Uh, but they've been talking about, you know, every phase they're like, oh, this is the one where Ruffalo's getting his Hulk movie. And we've been wrong every time because Universal has held the individual solo rights to the Hulk for decades. Uh, but if anyone is willing to pay top dollar, it's obviously Disney. <laughs> so who knows? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. This, yeah, it's been a long time coming and Mark Ruffalo is one of the more gifted actors in the entire MCU. So I'm, I'm, I'm amped for that and for him to have his moment. Oh yeah. Me too. Next up actor, Peter Scolari, who was known for his role in bosom buddies alongside Tom Hanks has uh, passed away at 66 from cancer. He had a major role on new heart. He also played Commissioner Loeb on Gotham and Wayne Zielinski in the Honey, I Shrunk the Kids series on Disney Channel. Uh, big TV guy and a uh, big uh, friend of Tom Hanks. I, re- I remember him as Loeb in Gotham. He's a real piece of shit. Uh, rest in peace. Yeah, that sucks. And you know, you know, uh, Tom, Tom's a guy who has always talked about, like, he, he, it doesn't really matter how, how big they are or what you know, fame or stature they have. He just kind of respects people who work well within their own niche. And yeah, that sucks, man. Seeing, seeing one of our, you know, heroes, Tom Hanks, seeing one of his buddies and then a, a fellow actor just kind of, kind of leave us is, is, is tough to see tough to swallow. Yeah. It's a shame. And even though, you know, I might not be familiar with these guys work mostly, I do like to shout them out here to just pay him a little respect. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, finally, and, uh, this is the biggest and uh, most tragic news that everyone has been talking about. Um, the tragic accidental killing of cinematographer Helena Hutchins that occurred on the set of the movie rust. Alec Baldwin fired a live round of the camera, killing Hutchins and injuring the director, Joel Souza. Apparently a live round had somehow ended up in the prop gun. The incident is under investigation. Baldwin is reportedly devastated and inconsolable as you would be. Uh, the film is likely dead in the water. Um, and all sorts of reports about the safety conditions on the set of this film are coming out. Uh, Baldwin as a producer is culpable for an unsafe environment. Uh, just the more that's coming out about this, the more, uh, avoidable this is looking. And that is sad. Uh, yeah, this one's really hard. Uh, of course, Alec Baldwin being kind of, who he is and being, being a huge star has, a, has a lot to do with the uh, attention it's getting, but yeah. I didn't think that this would happen after the crow, right? You know, you didn't think that something like this would happen again, that death would become a part of someone just making, making movies. And when you kind of break it down and you kind of like try to put yourself uh, in those shoes this is this is like this is brutal and knowing that these people on this film and so many other films are at risk for multiple reasons you know whatever it may be and this one being something that people weren't ready for obviously uh it's it's just not really a joke i know you know 
oh, movie stars get paid too much, this and that. They get they get too much, you know, money. Stuff like this can happen, and like you sign up for this job knowing that some wild shit can go down, you know, uh, whether it be this situation or like Viggo Mortensen almost passed away while filming Lord of the Rings. Uh, like things happen, like a lot of things happen. And you're trying to trying to fucking make entertainment for people, you know, is ultimately what you're doing. And uh, I'll always uh, have a respect for the people that are always, that are on the set, that are making the work. And then for them to lose their life over doing that said work, you put yourself in that spot of, you know, I work, I, I work at a bakery. If something happened to me while I was just, you know, rolling some dough, like that would be very, very, very unfortunate for me and the people around me. And that's what happened to this guy here. You know, that's what happened to, the, to, to Alec Baldwin and the people that were in the line of fire. Like that, that's, that sucks. That really fucking sucks. And I think more, more precautions are going to be had as movies move forward. Uh, as you know, of course, movies that are involving guns and prop guns, like it's, it's, there's going to be more rules in play now because that cannot happen. You know, that's, that is an absolute no, no. Um, and Alec Baldwin sucks, dude. It sucks. Cause you know, like you said, he's inconsolable, you know, that, that is horrible. And obviously he knows as a producer, he's, he's going to have some shit to deal with now the storm after all this, all this mess. So very sad, very sad news. Kind of, kind of just uh, took me out of, out of it for a minute when I was just kind of, I kind of lost my mind thinking about all these people that are affected by it. You know, of course, someone passing away, someone that was the shooter and everybody else that witnessed it. So really sad stuff. I definitely film guys, you know, we're, we're definitely thinking about them, uh, thinking about their families and just kind of dealing with the trauma of it. It's just, that cannot be fun. Oh, it's horrible. Uh, I don't, you know, Alec Baldwin's going to have to live with this. And uh, I can't imagine what he must be feeling right now. But also, as I said, this this was so avoidable. Uh, the production kind of went out of their way to get this done quickly and avoided a lot of safety precautions in the process. And that yeah. is heinous. Uh, like you said, after the you know events of Brandon Lee's untimely death, and then uh, a few years ago, the stunt woman who was killed on the set of the, the uh, Allman Brothers biopic. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. There's always, you know, if shit's not done correctly, things are going to happen. And you'd think that by now we would have learned from that. We would learn from our mistakes of like, make sure shit is, you know, make sure the prop gun isn't loaded. Just it's so simple to check. And I just I think this is going to have some major repercussions that uh, are going to change some things. And I'm, or at least I hope it does. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But we will see. This is not going away. This is going to be no. something that we're going to be talking about for quite some time, I think. Yeah, I agree, man. It's it's a, a tragic thing to happen on any set. But then you, you add the names that were involved and it just becomes bigger and bigger. Uh, Alec Baldwin's a, a true legend and a guy who reaches to so many generations. So the fact that he's a part of it just elevates it. And that's the, that's the way of life. Yeah. We're going to be um, taking a look at this and updating y'all uh, if anything happens further. Uh, so that's what happened last week in film. It's been kind of a somber week. Um, so we didn't intend to do Dune, 
but the film wasn't bad. I first thoughts, I I thought it was pretty badass. Um, Denny did a great job of drawing you in, especially if you're somebody who's not all that familiar with the source material. He does a great job trimming the fat and giving you exactly the details you need to know to enjoy this story, which was which is paramount to this one especially because this is a dense fucking story. Uh, there's like thousands of years of backstory that you need to really prepare for for this. And thankfully, with his vision, you didn't really need to. You did, he got dropped right in the middle of it. And you're like, okay, these are the good guys. These are the bad guys. This is why they want the planet. Okay, I'm in. Yeah, yeah. I think that's where a lot of people are kind of torn on how to feel about this particular story. Uh, a, lot, a lot of people I've kind of been texting throughout the day. I watched it last night. I watched it on HBO Max. I know you got to see it in the theater. Yes. And before I get into it, of course, this is a theater movie. Of course it is. It's, it's, it's Denny. It's huge. It's Dune. It's a two and a half hour epic start to what, what is probably going to be a franchise. Uh, with that being said, not everyone's going to be able to go to the theater. Not everybody can afford to. Uh, I, I could have bought a ticket and gone and gone and try to make some, t- make some time and go see it. But uh, with uh, us doing it on the show, I got off work at like 8.30 or 9 uh, last night, or sorry, on Saturday night when I watched it. I got home. It's two and a half hours. It took me until whatever, 1.30 in the morning to finish it. So I'm very grateful it was on HBO Max. I'm very grateful that I got to watch it at home and that I could pause it and go take a piss if I needed to. But to the people who are making full-on fucking reviews and articles about Dune is just too big for your TV. No shit. So is Alien from 1979, but I'm not, I was born in 19 fucking 95. So I, I couldn't have seen it when it came out in theaters. Every movie should be seen on the big screen. Every movie, not just fucking Denny's Dune, you know, every movie, French Dispatch, you know, uh, Dune, Antlers, Last Night Soho, Eternals, all these new movies should be seen on the big screen. That's just not the world we live in now. It's just, it's just not. Yeah. And when people have given me shit already for like, oh, like, oh, you didn't go to the theater? And this is obviously not you, Connor. You, you totally understood why I watched on HBO Max. But I've been texting with people and uh, different people at work were like, what? Why'd you watch it at home? Out of convenience. I watch, <laughs> I watch a lot of fucking sci-fi movies at home. <laughs> I, I like sci-fi a lot. Would I like to see them all on the big screen? Hell yeah, of course I would. I would like to see everything on the big screen. That's just not totally realistic right now. And I'm grateful for the streaming services that have just totally gone out uh, out on a limb saying, hey, this is what we're going to do. This is the way things are moving. And we're going to try to get for real, legit content and bring it to our streaming services. I love that you know Netflix has done Scorsese movie. Uh, has done multiple Noah Baumbach movies. You know, I, I love that. I love that they've done a fucking Alfonso Cuaron movie. I love that HBO Max is like, hey, Steven Soderbergh, come on over here. That's, that's fantastic to me. I think that's great. I think it's cool that people can already be paying for something and get it, get legit real content at home. I think that's great. With Dune, the, the stuff I've been hearing, uh, you know, I, I've read a little bit of the book, uh, you know, the, the, the first, you know, the 1965 book. Uh, I haven't read the whole thing. It's a bit mind boggling uh, and a little bit above my, um, my liter- literary skills as a, as a reader. 
Uh, I like some sci-fi. Kurt Vonnegut's probably my favorite author of all time. But Dune is all over the place and it's moving at a like rapid pace. And this movie, yes, uh, Denny is clearly setting it up for a part two. You know, the ending is, it's very clear what's happening here. Uh, I think the sheer pace of it and how there are moments where it's just talking and it's just, oh, look at that giant earthworm. I think people were frustrated with that just sense of tone and pace. Like, hey, even though the book's like got a lot going on, it's really magnificent and, and really grand. It moves quickly like a good book does. And I think the movie just doesn't, it just doesn't translate that way. And I would, I'm grateful for it. I'm grateful that Denny kind of has his own vision of, Hey, let's not, not dumb it down, but make it accessible for someone who's not a freak about this story and isn't going to read every little thing on Reddit about it. How can they watch it and still be on board and, and be cool with it? And now he's, now he's introducing it to a whole new, whole new generation. I, I like that, you know, I, uh, off, off the front, you know, I give the movie an eight out of 10. I think it's solid. I think it's legit. I think it's worth your time. And I think there's performances in it that are awesome. So I, I understand some of the, the backlash it's gotten from the quote unquote, you know, true Dune fans, but what do you expect? You know, like, what, what did you expect? Did you expect David Lynch's 1984 again? Like, what did you want? <laughs> so I, I, I would rather have this than that. And Denny, I think is going to just totally bring the heat and he's going to bring that pace that we want that I want and you want and the, you know, longtime Dune fans want in part two. I really do think he's going to just have a lot of fun with it because there's about to be an all out fucking war. You know, I, we, we see that uh, Paul Atreides is this is this is what he's about to go do. And it ends. Oh, this is just the beginning. You know, Zendaya's is you're like, uh, and you're like, OK, cool, fine. Uh, we, we got the setup. We got the basics down. Now I'm buckled up. I'm ready for part two. I'm ready for that pace to, to hit us like a, like a rock. It's going to be awesome. <sighs> yes. Um, would have been funny if at the end Zendaya just says to Paul, like, this is only part one of your story. And then like looks at the camera briefly. No, anyway. Yeah. yeah that would have <laughs> been fantastic. I also love how, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are trying to watch this movie for the stars, you know, for Timothy and Zendaya. And Zendaya's in it for like a total of five minutes. <laughs> what the fuck? I like, that's fine. Just don't market it that way. Don't market it like she's one of the main characters because she's not. <laughs> well, she will be. That's the thing. She, you know? she will be. She is going to yeah. be a star in the next one. But the first one is like just dreams. And, and then the last 20 minutes. Do you remember when a movie would come out and we could just watch it? And talk about it and be like, that was good or that wasn't good. And then just move on. Remember when people could do that? <laughs> I, yeah. I'm so tired of hearing from the quote unquote real fans who are like, if you're not watching it on the big screen, who the fuck are you? Like, just shut up. Just stop. Slow down and enjoy life for a second and let people enjoy things their way. I hate anybody who tries to suffocate art or make people feel bad for enjoying it the right or wrong way it is the worst quality you can have as a human being i just i don't understand why you care just shut up who gives a shit you go see it at the movies and enjoy it for you exactly exactly focus on focus on your own little experience man and then you know then you can talk about it afterwards like normal people be cordial you know i think you and you and i have there's been plenty of times where You've, you've gone to see something in the theater and I've watched it on the streamer or, or whatever happens. And 
we end up having a just fine conversation about it. (laughs) Because, and I don't want this to sound harsh, but it is true. I honestly don't care how you watch it. It has nothing to do with me. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So I just, I think it's because we get it. We, we understand each other. We understand how this is all done, that there's never any disconnect. But some people out there are just like, they're not happy unless someone else is miserable. And I don't yeah, understand that yeah. mindset. <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's like, uh, it's like a one-upping type thing that people do in this culture, in our culture. It's just like, oh, you watched the basketball game on TV? Well, I was there. And you're like, okay, cool. <laughs> like, okay, cool. That's, that's, that's neat. You know, not everybody could be in one of those 18,000 seats. And, and that people do that constantly. Like, oh, my experience was better. So let me hold it over you. And I just, I cannot stand that. I think I used to do that as like, as a teenager. And I've just, I've just completely stopped. Or, or like you said, making people feel bad. They're like, you know, I, I remember I used to like make fun of people for listening to whatever, you know, Bonnie Vare. And I'd be like, you know, I, I, I'm going to see the Chili Peppers, you know, <laughs> you know, you just like think whatever your shit is, is better than everybody else's. And I, that's, that's got to go. That, that, the kind of like toxic uh, part of our culture has got to go. Uh, it's, it's fun poking fun at people back and forth, but not, not like holding it over somebody. It's just, that's just annoying. Yeah. And you know what? I saw Dune at the movies. Does that make me a better person? Does that make me like, w- what am I holding on to? Like, yeah. Like, does it make you a bigger fan of movies? <laughs> no. <laughs> no. I, I just don't get it. You know, I just don't get it. I don't know why anybody would want to do that to themselves or to anybody else. And all it does is make you a dick. No one wants to hang out with. Yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Oh, that felt good. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Dune is based on the best-selling novel by Frank Herbert that was first published in 1965. The book was followed by Dune Messiah, Children of Dune, God Emperor of Dune, Heretics of Dune, and Chapter House Dune. And that's not counting the 20 or so sequels that Herbert's son Brian has written over the years. Uh, this is considered one of the biggest sci-fi uh novel franchises in history uh, my dad is the biggest dune fan i've ever known he's read all the books like six times he's been looking forward to this movie for years uh he doesn't really go to the movies that much because of his schedule but he has carved out time to see this because he, he really like this is special to him uh and i'm i'm glad but uh i bought the book i wanted to read it before i saw this movie and honestly i just did not have time it's a dense motherfucker um yeah yeah i i I don't have i don't have the time because if i read one and finish it then i gotta do the rest and that's that's not happening yep i uh at my local half price books uh in the glass case there is a signed first edition of dune in there wow which i thought was pretty cool they're selling it for 150 bucks and uh i don't need Dune that much that's it though (laughs) yeah that's that seems pretty low for how it's exploded over the past couple of years with this movie being in production and now being out with the release of the movie, that price is probably going up. Uh, but so far 150 bucks. I, I haven't looked, maybe somebody bought it already. If it's still there, I'll take a look and see if they've raised the price. <laughs> um, 
This film is a remake of the 1984 David Lynch-directed and disowned film Dune, starring Kyle MacLachlan, Patrick Stewart, Virginia Madsen, Jose Ferrer, and Sting, among others. Uh, say what you want, true blue Dune fans, it's a remake. There was a Dune that exists in the 80s. This is another version of that remake. <laughs> um, as much I, I do not care for the 80s Dune. It is a very complicated terribly made movie uh but yeah you watched that uh, one, right? of course yeah of course i've seen it uh you know it has like a weird spot in my heart because it's just like so wacky and so off the wall that i i, I kind of have fun with it I, i'm well aware of like david lynch's feelings towards it but you know you know what D- dune the what it does is it it does crunch everything in you know like you you do get that wild pace where you're like wait what (laughs) this is all happening now you know he's going into he's going into the battle now like 90 minutes into the movie okay (laughs) all right and and it's if if you're a fan of you know kind of uh what's the word like famous movies that aren't good you know like they're just they're just there they're a part of pop culture yeah, and you're and if you're a fan of '80s movies, like just just check it out because it is, it is like what kind of a production? What was happening here? Clear, clearly, there's a bunch of different visions happening at once, and uh, it's a ride. It's a two hour twenty minute ride. That's for sure. If you ever wanted to see Sting in a leather thong, this is the movie for you. Uh, yeah. yeah, and honestly, the pace is my biggest issue with the original one because it's like. This is House Atreides. This is House Harkonnen. All right, here's Arrakis. By the way, Paul might be Space Christ, but we'll get to that. And it's just they just keep moving, but with no explanation or like reasoning behind it. It's all just like, this is how the book goes, so we got to go here now. But Denny, at least, like his storytelling made sense, which was nice. I actually could finally understand like, oh, this is why this is happening. This is why they think Paul is the Messiah. This is why these people are oppressed. This is why, like, it, I got it. And I, I, I preferred that. I preferred the, not necessarily brisk, but even storytelling, which was nice. Yeah, 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 I agree. I, I think I would prefer somewhere, um, not in the middle, but somewhere, this, this Denny, and Denny, this is Denny's thing, is they're, they're, his movies are so fucking self-serious. They're so, like, yes fucking locked in you know and you really don't get an out like like ever uh in prisoners you're like oh my god get me the fuck out of here i can't i can't deal with this in blade runner you're like oh geez (laughs) someone in this shit but you're but you're also you're also you can't look away you know you cannot look away from his stuff uh i feel the same way about arrival where it's like okay something's going on here there's there's gonna be a there's gonna be a major sci-fi fucking you know uh little turning point at some point in this movie and then it hits you and you're like oh no uh this is too bleak <laughs> but you but it's so beautiful you can't look away i think the solution to that is obvious though and my, my dad and i have talked about this many times considering how dense thick and plentiful the dune books are why has this not been adapted to a fucking tv show especially like, now in yeah. the world world of television, you know, give this like, to HBO, give this to Prime, give this to Netflix, and give them a budget, and let you know Denny show run the thing, and then you've got the full fucking story. 
Yeah. Yeah. I think there's definitely, you know, I wouldn't watch it because I just, I don't, I don't really watch TV very often. Uh, I don't, I don't give my time over to shows. I'm much more in the boat of I'd rather watch five movies over a season of TV. You know, I, I can, I can knock out more stories, more different kinds of, you know, uh, creativity than watching the same show like over and over and over. That's just how I feel these days. I used to be a TV freak and used to watch it all the time and try to keep up. But that is probably where Dune should go. It probably should be either like an eight episode miniseries or just open it up completely and do a big giant five season, you know, big ensemble cast. And like you said, let someone like Denny kind of like supervise it, be the showrunner and uh, hire different directors to do different episodes. Uh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, I guess we'll never know now because this is this is the direction uh, Dune is going in. And I, I have no problem with that. But, you know, I'm sure some people are like, ah, meh. <laughs> oh, yeah. That's, how I, that's how I hear all these people just. <laughs> <laughs> there's, there's plenty of people who are, who are just. They just feel so whatever about the movie. They're just like, whatever, whatever. That's cool. I guess I'll see the second one. <laughs> you know, I'm, I'm like, ah, no, I'm, I'm excited. I'm excited. I also think Timothy Chalamet is just destroying in this movie. The, the scene where he uh, uh, has his hand, this is Charlotte Rampling when she's with him and he has his hand in that box. He shows basically every, every emotion in that scene. There's like 10 different emotions. I, w- I watched a video about it. There's like 10 different emotions, like human emotions he goes through during that one scene. And it is fucking impressive. When you break down that scene, Timothy is putting on a clinic. Like that guy is, that guy's wicked talented. And for him to go from, you know, Lady Bird and Beautiful Boy and these kind of artsy indie films to straight up blockbuster as the lead. And he's in his mid twenties. Like, look the fuck out for this guy. He's he is something to behold. Yeah. Fear is the mind killer. Yeah, we'll, we'll get to that. Yeah, yeah so cool. That scene was awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, first, let's talk about the director. Uh, Dune was directed by Oscar nominee Denis Villeneuve. Uh, he was nominated for best director for his film Arrival. He also directed Blade Runner twenty forty nine, Enemy, Sicario, and Prisoners. Dune was apparently a longtime passion project. He really only did Blade Runner so he could get Dune, <laughs> which is uh, pretty cool. I love anybody who can do hiddenly like, I'm just going to make this movie so I can make that movie. And the first movie is fucking huge. Like, that's cool. Uh, yeah. I got my yeah, own the beef fir- with oh, go ahead. The, the, the first movie, uh, Blade Runner. Yeah, that's what you're speaking about. It has Mr. Roger Deakins uh, behind the camera. So what a pair they are. Like, good Lord almighty. <laughs> Two, yeah. two, two freaks, you know, two control freaks who are like, this is what I'm doing. This is what we're doing. And he got an Oscar for it, Mr. Deacon. So his first of a long career. Yeah. Very cool. Good for him. I've got my own issues with Denis. You know, I think he's a bit of a pretentious self-righteous yeah. prick, but you know, who isn't? This is Hollywood. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He You're is not he self-righteous. Is. You're probably not getting a lot of work. And he's, uh, yeah, that's true. He's, uh, he's of the, the class of directors who are um, obviously have spoken about the state of cinema, you know, and they're led by their leader, their fearless leader, Martin Scorsese, who 
said something first. So now they feel like they can all say something. And it's guys who just simply don't make superhero movies. But here's Denny making a franchise movie. How about that? Uh, <laughs> and, and Blade Runner, a fucking basically a remake or a sequel, I guess. Uh, he's he's from he's he's from this generation that of filmmakers now that have gone through they've they've been able to go, go through the entire history of film and they're in a place now where you you have to do certain things to kind of stand out and a lot of a lot of directors and filmmakers today kind of run together and kind of feel like the same and i think denny has felt like his his passion for what he does it, he kind of holds it over people like we were just talking about he is like those people we were talking about he is a self-righteous kind of kind of dirtbag at times like he says stuff that just does not should not fly uh with that being said the guy he might have the most impressive 2010s run of any major filmmaker uh starting with prisoners and enemy from 2013 and then going to you know sicario is unbelievable on that is that's probably his best overall movie and it is just an out and out fucking thrilling ride and he's he's in such control arrival is a you know pure sci-fi and blade runner same thing and then he's you know he, he gets this giant 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 film where now his name's going to be known everywhere uh i think that run that kind of decade run is just as impressive as what anybody else has done in in the uh, movie movie industry he's he's a freak of nature when it comes to making films and I'll kind of see whatever he does. He he won me over with prisoners. When I saw that in theaters, I was like, "What the fuck is this?" I hadn't I hadn't seen someone just kind of go back to simple. If it feels like a '60s, '70s, '80s, just very bang, 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 thriller, thriller, thriller. The whole time you're just like, "What on earth?" Like you're kind of angry with every character, the decisions they're making, and what they're saying. It's so cool to feel that way about all these characters where no one's really like a quote unquote hero, you know, uh, God, I love that movie. After that, I was, I was all in for anything he does, but he is, he says stuff that just is exactly what we were talking about at the top of the show where he, he holds stuff over people. He holds stuff over uh, Marvel fans and star Wars fans and, you know, superhero people who are fans of the big blockbusters. And that's pretty much all of us. So really, really dumb, really silly. I think it's a bad career move at this point to kind of speak out against what you're not making and what you're not a part of because you think your stuff is better. Uh, I don't like that. Well, I was, I always, you know, I've always believed that you should never like praise your own sandcastle while kicking somebody else's down. Yeah, for sure. Be proud of your own work, but don't use it as a, as a weapon. Don't, say that you know my stuff's better than his stuff because a certain type of person watches my stuff like that is ugh. this makes me not want to watch your stuff that's that's a big reason of why i haven't really gone into this guy till now uh because i just didn't want to give him the satisfaction honestly it was just like i don't want to admit i like your movies because you're kind of a dick uh but anyway yeah yeah for this uh for this episode which came out of nowhere i was able to fit prisoners and blade runner 2049 into the weekend i watched both those films 
Um, I've always fucking hated Blade Runner. I've gone off on that many times. I don't get the, the I don't get why people love it. But you know, if you do, that's great. Fine. I'm not gonna, you know, go after you for it. It's just not my bag. But things about Blade Runner, the new one, I did like. I thought visually it's amazing. Um, I thought the narrative was a little jumbled at times. Um, Harrison Ford did yeah. an incredible job in the brief bit he was in. That kind of weirded me out. Like he just shows up in the last half hour. Um, I thought it didn't need to be two hours and 40 minutes. I think they could have shaved that thing down big time. All these establishing shots that take 20 minutes. Do we need that? No. Um, but I gave it a seven, which I think is more than generous. <laughs> and uh, now the best part, I no longer have to hear anybody tell me to watch Blade Runner. It's over. I have watched Blade Runners and it is done. <laughs> <laughs> and it is done. I like Blade Runner a lot. The, well, I can't. I honestly don't understand the 1982 one. Uh, I'm with you. Just kind of like, I, whatever. I'll just leave it there. You know, people can enjoy it because it's clearly got this huge cult status with, with a lot of fans. But the, the 2017 one, 2049, uh, I saw that one in theaters just because of Gosling. I was like, I, that was when I was all in. I became all in on him. And uh Denny was like, oh, cool, fucking bonus. You know, it's it's Denny's movie. I, I love prisoners. Fuck yeah. Uh, and I had a blast. I had a blast watching that one because it's like uh it's so 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 bizarre and so true to kind of Philip K. Dick's mind and what you what you imagine when you read his stuff. And I, I really appreciated that. It seemed like Denny really paid attention to that particular that particular tone and style. Uh, and then Deacons is like putting on a show. He's just, he's just, he's just, he, he, this is, this is when he has uh, one of my favorite quotes is, uh, is uh, I can't remember exactly how it goes. I hate that. I hate that. I forget it. Cause I usually know it right up right away. Deacon says uh, there's, there's pretty cinematography and there's great cinematography, you know, and you know, anyone can kind of just, you know, film something that's pretty or beautiful but it takes it takes real a real real you know real seasoning and a real veterans veterans presence to kind of understand what's going to kind of capture people's mind what's going to what's going to stay in their mind after the movie's over and blade runner is a movie i just think about just the this pure visuals of it and the the way the camera decides to decides to turn and move in that one uh I, I respect that movie a lot. It's not, it's not one of my favorites from the decade and it's definitely not my favorite Denny movie, but I, I enjoyed it a lot and I've seen it a few times. It is long. You're right. It's almost three hours and that's a, that's your whole afternoon. So, you know, <laughs> well, you know, that's fine. That's fine. What am I going to do? Argue that you're wrong? No, it's subjective. Enjoy. You enjoy Blade Runner 2049. You do that. That's for you. Yeah, but you, you spend that three hours fucking, <laughs> fucking watching, watching K. Uh, how about how about how about a uh, uh, arrival though? I know we kind of differ on that one, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought same same problem. I think arrival is dull as dishwater, um, and that's unfortunate because I thought Amy Adams was really good, um, and it's just. I, the whole time travel element was really hard to grasp, like really hard to grasp. And I just felt like I, 
we probably should have left like 20 minutes ago. This is, this, this should be over by now. <laughs> and it's just, I don't know, but I will say this. I fucking loved prisoners. That, that was a brilliant movie. Like, where's that? I think Denise should probably tone it down with the sci-fi and focus a little bit more on some human stories like this. Cause he did a fantastic job with that. Uh, yeah, that movie's going to haunt me. <laughs> I've, I've never seen Hugh Jackman like that before. I was so floored. Like, just this super damaged man on the brink of absolute collapse, willing to do anything it takes, regardless of the consequences. Wow, my God. And then him going toe-to-toe with Jake Gyllenhaal and, like, the, the dynamic between those two characters and Paul Dano. And, like, I was just... Yeah, I... <laughs> I can't believe it. I'm... I'm I'm floored that movie didn't get more awards attention. I was, I gave it a nine. I was very impressed. So. Yeah. Yeah. This is, uh, has one Oscar nomination for again, Roger Deakins cinematographer the movie movie looks unbelievable. And yes. this is one that I agree with you, uh, dealing with very, a very tough change in a human's life, you know, uh, multiple humans in this case, losing, uh, losing their daughters to what they think is a kidnapping and it turns into this whole huge, huge ordeal. And uh, it's, it's two and a half hours, but you don't, you don't care as a viewer. You just don't care. It's, there's not really a dull moment in prisoners. Uh, and Hugh Jackman, I mean, this is his best performance in my opinion. I just, yeah. he's fucking lights out in this movie. Definitely should have been nominated. Maybe should have won. Uh, for 2013, he is he is crushing it in that movie. Jake Gyllenhaal also should have been up, uh, or at least or at least more recognized, in my opinion. Is as Detective Loki, he's just uh, he's doing a whole thing. Jake Gyllenhaal created a whole tick with his eyes just for that character, and his hair is like wild. That was his decision. I think this is when Jake was really becoming. You know, all right. Then um, then he does Nightcrawler, and you're like, holy fuck, this guy can, this guy can act. And then then the year after, he does Southpaw, and looks like an absolute monster in the boxing ring. Jake Gyllenhaal is is definitely one of my favorite guys, but Hugh Jackman outshines him in this movie somehow. You know, uh, and Melissa Leo, scary as can be. Viola Davis and Terrence Howard are incredible. uh, Paul Dana, you spoke about. I mean, what a whack ass performance from him. Uh, really cool. You see a lot of the Riddler uh, happening right there. You're like, oh, geez, the way this guy's walking is already, already frightening me. <laughs> this is absolutely the film that landed him the Riddler, 100%. Yeah, uh, I think so. I think so. Hugh Jackman, I, I second your opinion on that this is his, his greatest performance. This is a man on the brink of losing everything. And I believed it every second, but even before the girls go missing, you get this sense of like, this may not be a happy family. No. Oh no, no. He is a freak. He's a freak. All that shit Mm. he's got ready. He's got ready for like the apocalypse. This guy's and the stuff he's telling his son, you know, he's just like pray for the best, but prepare for the worst, you know, just like typical macho dad. Who's just like, I will protect what's mine. (laughs) And he's, he's crazy. Like he's borderline out of his mind and then he becomes out of his mind when his daughter goes missing and he is like torturing somebody (laughs) the scene the scene that won me over where i'm like this man deserves a gold statue 
is when he's in after a Loki finds like tracks him to the liquor store and he sees Loki's car and he starts walking over there and he gets in the car and then they have the fucking they have it out. And he finally is just like, you know, you're not doing enough and just loses it on Loki. And like, God damn, I was like, where, what? I've never seen this guy before. I've never seen Hugh Jackman before. Like, I've seen Wolverine for decades. But this right here, like, what ha- Like, where is this Hugh Jackman? I want more of this guy. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I, I adored Prisoners. Um, and I'm, yeah, I got to watch Enemy now. That's the last one. Uh, and I'll get to that when I can. Enemy, yeah, Enemy kicks ass. Uh, very, very, very bizarre movie. Uh, really interesting counter, kind of counterpoint to Prisoners because you got Jake Gyllenhaal in that one as well, uh, dealing with dealing with his doppelganger in that movie. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, it's awesome. You're, <laughs> it's 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 a wild <laughs> it's a wild ride, and the ending is definitely divisive. Uh, but I think I think anybody will enjoy what Jake's doing in that movie. Uh, Hugh, Hugh Jackman. One last thing before we move on, because uh, Prisoners is so goddamn good. He that movie opens up with him doing the Lord's Prayer and shooting a fucking deer. <laughs> you know right away when you start that movie. You're like, okay, um, I'm in. I'm in. A whole different territory than what I'm used to. You know, this this year I saw. I remember seeing a lot of movies in theaters that year, like Wolf of Wall Street and American Hustle and all those kind of typical uh, like Oscar award season movies. And I saw Prisoners like in the middle of that, and I was like, "This one's the best one. <laughs> this is the best one out of all of us. <laughs> it's so fucking good. Uh, I'll never forget that. I've I've owned it owned it ever since. You know, it's been on my shelf ever since. It's yeah. It's I, I don't know. I have a hard time. Sicario, I think, is a is a bit stronger of a whole movie than Prisoners, but Prisoners, I just I'll go to bat for it any day of the week. It's it's I don't understand how you couldn't be just kind of floored by the performances alone. Then you add everything else, Deacons and and Denny and everybody uh, kind of at play. Uh, what's that guy's name? Um, he's in I think he's actually in Dune as well, and he's in like a shit ton of uh, David David Desmalchen. Yep. Oh my Hulk god. Hulk it out, man. Yeah. This dude. Yeah, yeah, and Suicide Squad. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's bone chilling. Absolutely. Oh, he's in Dark Knight too, isn't he? Yeah, he's the uh, yeah, the, yeah. the uh the mental patient that Harvey Dent kidnaps. Yeah, that's right. He um he is absolutely bone chilling in prisoners. Like you're like, that's the guy, that's the fucker who did everything wrong. <laughs> but then, like, once you find out what happened, like, holy fuck does it get even darker for him and paul dano like oh my god and just what oh i, I don't want to say too much because i don't want to i don't want to spoil it here but go watch this yeah. movie yeah uh, it's it on is hulu not what you think it is yeah <laughs> hulu hulu I, I i'm sure most people who are listening uh have hulu so go check it out it's it will not disappoint it i, I just don't see how someone couldn't be like moved by it you know in some way it's Oof, it's yeah, it's great. I could talk about it all day. It's going to be an Oscar Sunday episode one day. Um, because because that Deacon's nomination. But boy, giving awards out to that movie would be so so difficult. Every scene just kind of tops itself. You know, Hugh Jackman screaming and hitting, you know, hitting the sink with the hammer. You're like, ah <laughs> Jesus Christ. What a, yeah, he's yeah, 
we obviously we we've loved this movie. I, I I'm with you. I think I think I I think I gave it four and a half stars on Letterboxd, like a like a nine essentially, but it is very close to a ten. Very close. On filmgasm.com, you did give it an eight. Oh, I gave it an eight. Yeah. Okay. When did I write that? About middle of 2020. Okay. Yeah. I've I've looked at some of my reviews and I was being I've, I've, I've dropped this completely. This is the biggest thing I've learned as, as a movie fan for me uh, during 2021. And that has a lot to do with not going to the theater as much and watching a lot of older movies and really using HBO Max and Criterion and Hulu and all those things. Uh, I have just zero problem giving a movie that I, I love, I love a nine or a 10 or whatever it may be. I remember talking to you because I wrote a review for Francis Ha and I gave it an eight. That movie's a 10. What am I doing? I love that movie. I fucking adore that movie with every ounce in my being. And I think I gave Everybody Wants Some, probably my like third or like second or third favorite Linklater movie, gave that one an eight. That's a fucking 10 for me. What am I doing? You know? And I've dropped that. And Prisoners is the same way. It's like, I'm trying not to be like, uh, okay, let's be fair and put my bias to the side. No, 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 no. Your bias is the point when you br- when you bring yourself into something that is the the point that is the point of the review that is the point of giving it a whatever stars on Letterboxd is you it's your input yeah. and I've completely I've basically just dropped all all of that nonsense of kind of trying to be okay just because I love Francis Ha doesn't mean it's you know a perfect movie no it is a perfect movie for me it's a perfect movie and I'm gonna give it a ten so fr- yeah there's plenty of movies I've gone back I think I gave Quiz Show an eight. That movie's at least a nine or a 10. I love Quiz Show. <laughs> Quiz Show, I get why it's, uh, you know, I get why it lost Best Picture and I get why it's not the greatest reviewed movie. I fucking love it though. <laughs> I have an absolute blast watching that movie. So I, 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 gotta, I have to stop doing that. And you can see if you read my uh, latest review from like a couple weeks ago on The Long Goodbye, I clearly drop all of that. I, I very much realized this is for me. I love this. 10 out of 10 <laughs> and, it, and, it, and that's, that's how, I, how I'm going to be moving forward. Uh, Prisoners is definitely at least a nine. That's for sure. And very close to a 10. No idea how happy it makes me to hear that. Cause I've always suspected for quite some time that you've been holding back. I oh, I've always been holding back always. Uh, it's a lot easier to not hold back on the podcast because yep. when you're talking about something and you're like, oh, my God, I love this. I love this thing. You know, like we've been talking about prisoners now for 15 minutes. I, I love this thing. Let that happen. When you're writing a review, or at least for me, because you've been doing a lot longer than I have been on Filmgasm. I was trying to be like fair to whoever was reading. And that's just that's not fair to myself. And if I'm not being fair to myself, yep. then the reader is going to be able to see that. And that's that ends up being not fair for them. Well, I've always thought, you know, I was when I first when we first started the website, I was doing that. I was thinking like, well, everybody yeah. says this is a good movie, so maybe it's me or everyone says this is a bad movie. So I don't want to look stupid by disagreeing. Mm. But but the more I watched, the more I realized, like, who the fuck am I trying to impress? Exactly. Like, who cares if I, you know, if I don't like eight and a half. OK, it's not great to me, but Mars Attacks, a film that got pretty banned is one of my all-time favorite movies, and it would feel dishonest on my part to not give that film a 10, because it is to me. Exactly. And you've just got to, you know, embrace that and just, you know, 
talk about what you love, you know, put as much of yourself as possible into these reviews. That's what I do. You know, I, if I like the movie, great. If I don't great. And then I go to the next one. I have nothing, you know, I have nothing to prove. I have no one to impress. It's all for me. Hell yeah. That's right. That's right. And, uh, it reflects, it shows, it shows when someone is being, is, is doing this for themselves, like writing it for themselves so that people can enjoy their perspective afterwards. Not so much like, Oh, let's all find a common ground. No, someone's going to relate to it. You know, someone's going to disagree. Someone's going to relate. So be it. Exactly. Uh, well, that's good. Glad, glad you had that awakening. (laughs) Yeah, no, this, this year, this year has, uh, has challenged me a lot and changed me a ton as a movie fan. And I think I can point to two key movies that while I was watching them, you know, I, I remember texting you about Thief, uh, Michael Mann's debut. Holy piss, you know, <laughs> just a perfect, perfect, perfect movie in my, in my eyes. And I wouldn't, wouldn't try to hide that from anybody, you know. Uh, it's, to me, like not even close, Michael Mann's best movie. Uh, and I've, I've, I've almost seen them all, so I'm pretty confident saying that thief thief is where it's fucking at. <laughs> and that, that's, that's also been my journey to kind of watch more, uh, more eighties movies. Cause I feel like that's a decade I'm not well versed in. And, uh, I don't have a lot of, uh, diversity within that decade of different kinds of filmmakers, different kinds of films. Uh, I've seen a lot of the big, big, you know, Indiana Jones and back to the future. And, you know, those movies that you just, you just watch that was, that's just what you do. I'm trying to kind of dig a little deeper and, find find the gems because they're there they're there <laughs> yes indeed they are there the 80s might be my favorite decade of film just because of my own upbringing but uh i am glad that you're uh you're you're kind of sifting through the rocks i like that yes yeah oh it's fun as hell man did i tell you i got to watch uh stephen freer's uh the hit from 1984 you said you were looking for it i didn't know you got you found it yeah, it's on Criterion right now. Holy shit, what a movie. Uh, uh, Tim, Tim Roth, and that's like early, you know, he's got like this like bleach blonde hair. Uh, him and John Hurt are playing uh, hitmen in the movie. And uh, Terrence Stamp is like an ex-hitman who kind of ratted somebody out early on, uh, earlier on in the film. And so they're like, well, we got to fucking get him and kill his ass. And it just becomes this wild kind of like road trip movie god it's so good <laughs> i love when that happens you had me at tim roth john hurt and terrence stamp <laughs> yeah dude oh my god terrence stamp is the man but tim roth was definitely well Stephen freers is a guy i just really like but tim roth i i'm obsessed with kind of his earlier his earlier state the early stages of his career you know like even before you know like reservoir dogs he's like such a wild firecracker performer. Like I, I love that guy and he's, he's incredible in that movie. Jeez. Yeah. You would, you would love it. It's just, it's right up your alley. That actually has been on my family's uh, list to try to track down on DVD. So I'm going to let everyone know it's on criterion because I would very much like to watch that. Yeah. Oh man. Your family. That, yeah. It just seems like a movie that's in y'all's kind of ether, you know, just, yeah. Got it. Got to check it out. Fuck. Yeah. Uh, so let's dig into the cast uh, of Dune. Of course, yes. we got o- Oscar nominee Timothy Chalamet as Paul Atreides, the would-be space Christ. Um, 
Uh, Chalamet was nominated for his performance in Call Me By Your Name, which I think is an underrated love story. I thought that movie was really good. Uh, it was also in Lady Bird, Beautiful Boy, Little Women, and the film we should be talking about right now, The French Dispatch. Mm. Yes, Timothy. Timothy. I agree with you. I think Call Me By Your Name, it's not It's not like uh, life-changing or anything, but it's. I think it had that going against it. I think some people's response to it was, oh my God, you have to see this movie. And if you don't like it, you like, you have bad taste. And that happens a lot with those, you know, happens a lot with those kind of uh, English slash French slash Italian slash, you know, fucking Western Europe films that, oh, you just have, you know, this is uh, like, you have to see this, but it, it is good on its own. It's pretty good. It's very hard to rewatch now because of fucking army hammer, that total dickhead. But Timothy Chalamet is lights out in that movie. Lights out. And he's, he's worth your time. Yes. Yes, indeed. And uh, if you want more Chalamet, he is pl- uh, going to play Willy Wonka in a couple years. So, yeah, <laughs> we'll see that. Um, have, you seen the, have you seen the pictures of him in the outfit? Because yeah. Look, I'm like, why does he uh, look Victorian? Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> Willy Wonka took place in the 70s. Like, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna we'll be see. odd. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I'll see it for sure, just because he's the one kind of at the forefront of it. But I'm not going into it thinking it's going to be this incredible experience. You know, hopefully, hopefully it surprises me. I read somewhere that Roald Dahl despised Willy Wonka and the Chocolate Factory so much, even though he fucking wrote the screenplay. But he hated the way that turned out so much. He had like a thing in his will put in that they can never make a movie out of Charlie and the Great Glass Elevator, the sequel. Like it's so ironclad, they can't touch that book. I mean, that, that's crazy. <laughs> I mean, granted, it is a weird ass book. I, I read it in middle school. It's like Charlie and his family, Willy Wonka, go to space in the Great Glass Elevator and fight like the vermicious canids. And like, there's no chocolate at all. It's yeah. such an odd book, but still <laughs> like so weird. There's no golden tickets. Yeah. No, just like a spaceship and aliens and the whole bed of all the old people fits in the great glass elevator. Cause okay. And it's just, I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's such an odd book to explain. It has stuck with me my whole life. Cause I'm like, this is the weirdest thing I've ever read. <laughs> Even then. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> Rebecca Ferguson plays Lady Jessica Atreides, Paul's mother and space witch, I, I think. Uh, Ferguson was in Mission Impossible, Rogue Nation, and Fallout, Dr. Sleep, Reminiscence, and The Greatest Showman. Uh, she's really good. Uh, her character is a bit confusing. Um, so she is Paul's mother, right? Yeah, yeah. And uh, concubine to... Well, what's uh, let Duke Duke Leto, uh, Oscar Isaac? So they're not married. No, no. I assume that. Again, it's been it's been a while since I've since I've <laughs> gone down gone down the rabbit hole of reading about yeah. fifty pages of the first book. <laughs> uh, I th- I think he there's there's more representation within the book of all of his different different women, but I guess they chose. To let's just hone in on this, which is probably smart for a movie. Okay. Okay. So she's okay. I got you. It's just why, why make it that complex? 
Well, well, and and that and that's because uh, Lady Jessica is part of that outer plan. The I know what you're talking about. I don't necessarily know how to pronounce it, but I know what you're talking about. Yeah, that's why I said the outer plan. Yeah. <laughs> I'm calling them the space witches because I don't yeah. know how to say. I don't want to sound bitches. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. Oh man, they're crazy. They're fucking. They're wild. Charlotte Rampling is nuts in this movie. <laughs> well, they're all there to make sure that the Messiah is born so that he can. I'm not really sure why. Uh, bring peace to Arrakis, I guess. And then therefore the universe. Okay. All right. I don't know. I feel like George Lucas read this a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Definitely. There's no, no doubt about that. Like Star Wars dune you know daddy issues in space uh daddy issues sci-fi yeah <laughs> oh god uh, oscar isaac plays duke leto or leto i think leto atreides leto yeah yeah that's right head of house atreides um isaac played skilled skilled pilot poe dameron in disney's star wars sequel trilogy was also in the card counter Inside Lewin Davis, Ex Machina, X-Men Apocalypse, and he's set to play Moon Knight in the MCU in the upcoming Disney Plus series. He's big stuff right now and easily one of my favorite working actors. He's a very talented guy. And uh, he's fantastic in this. I totally believe this is the guy who runs an entire legion of space warriors. Has has Oscar Isaac's beard ever looked so goddamn good? <laughs> Dude, Holy the- shit. Oh my god! Like speckled like a robin's egg. My my god! <laughs> what? Yeah, a- yeah, he's he's something else. This guy. Uh, I was reading about him because you know this series has uh, you know this, and he was in the Card Counter, Paul Schrader's film, uh, and he was kind of talking about what inspired him as an actor and why he became one. And he said it was actually Paul Schrader because the Taxi Driver, nineteen seventy six, and. He's like, I know that's cliche for actors to say, like, oh, I fell in love with De Niro's performance in that movie. He's like, but uh, it just, it floored me, it rocked me, and it made me kind of want to chase something. And you can see him challenging himself while also remaining to put himself at the forefront. Again, this is that balance that I think Tom Holland and young guys like him have to find. Oscar Isaac can do it all. He can be the weird, creepy guy at Ex Machina. He can be a good guy in Dune or Star Wars. He can play a folk singer in Inside Lewin Davis, like tremendously, and just fit right into the Cohen filmography like it was nothing. That guy, that guy's special. Just like I said, Denny's Denny is to me probably the most uh, has the best run from the 2010s to now. I think. Oscar Isaac has an argument for being, you know, one of the top actors, male actors for the past decade. He is, he is pretty much perfect. And then he's uh, in um, scenes from a marriage. Uh, he does TV. He was in a show me hero, incredible TV show. He's, he's got it all. He can do everything. I really want to watch a most violent year. I heard that was one of his best oh, films and I do. I haven't gotten to it yet. Yeah. That's you would love that movie. Oh my God. Yeah, most final years, very underrated. I would say. I'm sure we're missing some stuff. I love, but he's. He, it's kind of everything. Everything he does, uh, yeah. I'm. I'm kind of cool with. So, Oscar I know, Isaac. 
I know a lot of people shit on X-Men Apocalypse. I, you know, lifelong X-Men fan here. I enjoyed that movie. And I thought Oscar Isaac killed it as Apocalypse. But, you know, I'm very much alone in that camp. But I don't care. I like what I like. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, 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 I got to be honest. I don't remember that movie too much. Like, I probably need to rewatch it to kind of to kind of kind of see it but that is that is right after he plays poe uh that's i believe that was 2016 and poe uh he, he is uh force awakens 2015 so uh i i think i got it jumbled up you know just kind of like oh fuck you know when guys are doing a lot of different big time movies like that or in different franchises i sometimes i get them like mixed up yeah and I need to rewatch that though. I need to rewatch Apocalypse. I know I know it's divisive. I know there's people who can't stand it, and I know there's people like you who are out there like, no, it's actually pretty good. <laughs> yeah, like Magneto in that movie is fucking scary. Uh, I think you know, getting to see Apocalypse like his, you know, the breadth of his powers is pretty exciting. We finally have a decent storm. Like, there's a there's a lot to like about that movie. But uh, yeah. I get why people don't like it. You know, there's a lot of uh, a lot of weird shit, too. But this is not the time. I got to bring X-Men to the uh, to filmgasm at one point. That's like the movie that started my superhero like love. I, I've got to do that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jason Momoa plays Duncan Idaho, Paul's loyal friend and warrior with the dumbest name in sci fi history. What the fu- Duncan Idaho sounds like a male stripper in Texas. Like, yeah, yeah. It's the weirdest name in this, like, sea of weird sci-fi names. Duncan, Idaho. I just, I don't get it. I don't picture Jason Momoa when I hear that name. (laughs) (sighs) And I don't, I don't know what to think about Momoa. Uh, He obviously has his, his unique look, you know. Uh, I think it's been too much maybe at once for me and this is oscar isaac this is again what i i I love that he goes back and forth and does all kinds of different stuff he'll do kind of a smaller film he'll be in a short if he wants to be then he can be in star wars i feel like jason momoa is just like give me the same like massive giant character who's going to come in and be either whether he's bad or good let me just be the imposing guy, you know? And yeah, he's giant. And like, that's, that's kind of what he's built for. But I would, I would, I would like to see him challenge himself a little bit. Uh, I would like to see him be, be in something maybe a little different where he's not just in a giant production. Well, Hollywood, you know, when you look like that, you're going to get the barbarian roles. You're going to get superhero roles. You're going to get sci-fi roles. He's not going to get like, you know, a play, like a one act play situation. He's just not going to get that. So I don't really blame him. I think he's taken what he can get because he's a six foot four hulking, like Conan, the barbarian looking motherfucker. And uh, I got, no, I think he's awesome. Uh, and I, I do like, you know, I liked him as Aquaman. Uh, Kyle Drogo, you know, I haven't seen C on Apple TV, but, I he's probably playing some kind of exactly what you said. Yeah. But you know, Arnold Schwarzenegger dealt with that too. You know, he he wasn't exactly getting dramatic roles until he had to kind of fight to get into comedy. And I bet Momoa, if he hasn't already, he's probably got some great comedic chops. I'd love to see him do a comedy. 
Okay, that's that's definitely where I'd like to see him go. Uh, if he could, you know, yeah, get into it. Hell, I would see an Oscar Isaac, Jason Momoa, buddy, buddy, fucking comedy. You know, I would, I would go see that shit. I, th- I want to see him. I think, I think Channing Tatum has done a really good job of not becoming just that guy, and has become on oh, no, like that guy can act, and he's been he's worked with a lot of different directors and is kind of all over the place. I like to see Momoa kind of stretch his wings a little bit. And I, I agree with you. That's probably what he gets offered over and over is, Hey man, you want to be our imposing guy in our movie or our TV show? But I would love to see him say, no, like, no, I want, I want to do something different. Uh, he's, he's a little bit over 40 years old. I think he should do it now before it's too late Before it's like, all right, man, this is what you are. This is what you, this is what your career has ended up being. Cause I think there's something there. Like a, I think there's a really good actor there somewhere but i don't think he's had to really show it off yet we could also be just completely misreading this he could just love playing imposing crazy people could be could be it could be I mean, aquaman yeah. could have been the role that he's always wanted to play his entire <laughs> life probably i mean <laughs> hell it'd be cool to be aquaman right <laughs> so i don't know I, nothing but love i think he's a, he's a, a good guy i get a good vibe off him uh, oh yeah, he he seems like the coolest dude. Like, he seems like he truly cares about the place he is. He like obviously cares about Earth, cares about uh, his family, compares about cares a lot about kind of his roots and where he comes from. And seems like a seems like a guy who'd be a lot of fun to just kind of sit back and have a beer with. Yeah, but for his career, I really do hope. I like I I have hope. I think it's going to come at some point in the twenty twenties. Where we see, oh, Jason Momoa, this guy, this guy's actually got serious, serious traps. I think so. I'd love to see a six foot four Hawaiian win an Oscar one day. I think that would be cool. Oh man, that'd be <laughs> that'd be fantastic. Yeah, he's he's a he's a gorgeous, gorgeous son of a gun. So he is. He's got some of the coolest hair in in Hollywood, and uh, I just wish Duncan Idaho was as cool of a name. <laughs> I I. Don't- That'll, I think I've talked about this before. It always bugs me in sci-fi movies when you've got like names like Atreides and Harkonnen and then your main character's name is Paul. It's like, yeah, it just weirds me out. <laughs> Doesn't make any sense. Yeah. Duncan Idaho. I picture some Woody Guthrie looking motherfucker with like a cowboy hat and a little guitar. I don't picture a hulking bodyguard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I've always thought that, you know, the Star Wars, you know, being last name Skywalker, fuck yeah. But Luke, just Luke, come on. My neighbor's name is Luke. Come on. <laughs> Skywalker is such a badass last name. Han Solo, <laughs> fuck yeah. Han Solo is an awesome name. But Luke, just, hi, I'm Luke. I'm not, okay, neat. <laughs> Fucking uh, uh, Obi Wan Kenobi, Obi. How about Obi Skywalker? You know, I don't know. Do something other than fucking Luke. They do this though. All these fucking sci-fi stories. That's what they do. That's what they do. <laughs> Luke, Luke, and Paul. Too. They're both like Bible names. Come on. <laughs> that's Let's probably go. not an accident. But yes, I think that's yeah. I think the biggest offender of that was Game of Thrones. To have characters like you know Eddard Stark and. Arya Stark and like Cersei Lannister and then Jon Snow. John. Yeah. Fucking John. Yeah. Tywin Lannister. Yeah. John. John. <laughs> hey, 
uh, Theon Greyjoy. <laughs> yeah. John. John and his half brother Rob. <laughs> Just, I don't. Ah, it's it's weird. Fuck that weird. shit. It's like they wasted all the the creativity on on the side characters, and they're like, ah, oh, shit. What do we name the main guy? I'm gonna do that shit. I'm gonna write a sci-fi epic that has the weirdest names ever, and my main dude's name is gonna be fucking Jeff. Yeah. <laughs> Just unremarkable Jeff. Like not even any power. Just like hi. I'm Jeff. I'm and no work. last name. No last name. No, like no Jeff Atreides, no Jeff Skywalker, just Jeff. I would watch the shit out of a movie about Jeff Skywalker. Fucking <laughs> <laughs> uh. <laughs> uh. <laughs> Oh my God. Um Zendaya plays uh Chani, the Fremen girl in Paul's visions. And the Fremen are like the nomadic people of Arrakis. Fremen, yeah. <laughs> Zendaya plays MJ in the Spider-Man MCU movies, was also in The Greatest Showman, Malcolm and Marie, Space Jam, A New Legacy, and the TV series Euphoria, which won her an Emmy last year. And uh, she is a big A-lister these days, uh, as well she should be. She's very talented. And I do look forward to actually seeing this character in part two. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my main issue with the trailer the marketing is that she wasn't really a part of this first movie they definitely made it seem like she was going to be kind of at the forefront of the film i'm okay i'm okay with a misleading uh trailer when it comes to oh fuck i thought it was gonna be about this and except it's about this but when you have like zendaya who is like you said a big time a-lister right now she's a young black girl working in an industry that has not been kind to young black women uh, for the most part in, in, in its history. She is huge for young girls to look up to, to see kind of see themselves on the big screen. I was very excited to see her uh, in just like Timothy. I was excited to see her in a big giant production that has all the money, has the big director, has the huge cast and she's just kind of like in it for like her runtime is like eight minutes and this movie's like two and a half hours and Timothy's on the screen like the entire time. So I know, I know that's going to change in the second film uh, in part two, whenever that does happen or if it does happen, uh, she will be a big part, but I don't like that they did that because you, you get people excited that are fans of hers and then they're kind of let down when it's like, oh, I came to see her and she's not really a part of the film. You know, it's just kind of the Timothy show. So like, what the hell? What the, what the hell is that about? Hopefully those people still like stick it out and come back for the second movie because she will be a bigger part of it. But that, that is frustrating. I'm, I'm a big, big fan of hers. And I, I think she's massive, like massively important to, to, to the representation uh, conversation. And there's young girls out there who can see themselves in a, in a big sci-fi movie. And I think that's important. You know, we've never really had that issue. Um, all these people we've, we've mentioned, you know, Luke Skywalker, Paul Atreides, they are just young white guys. And it's like, that's what we've always kind of seen on the screen. We've always been able to see, I could do that. I could be that guy. You know, I could be Paul Atreides. I could be Luke Skywalker. Right? He's not that much, you know, he's same as me. It's cool for young girls to be able to feel the same way. 
And that was, that was sort of taken away. So I, I hope the people who are uh, Zendaya fans come back. You know, I really, really hope they do. I hope they're not too upset about it. I've definitely read some stuff where it's like, what the fuck? Where was Zendaya? That's why I watched it. Uh, hopefully, hopefully they, they, they still have some hope there somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I think, you know, she'll, she's clearly in it for the long haul. I think she's yeah. a major character in the, in the narrative. So we are mm-hmm. going to see her again. She'll be bigger in the next one. But yeah, this movie, the trailer was misleading, and that's unfortunate. Um, well, it also has her as a third, like, build actor, you know, on yeah. IMDb and on the posters and all that stuff. Like, she's the third name. And it's just like, but, well, that's not right. Uh, according to runtime, she's like the 12th. <laughs> yeah, that sucks. Um, we did get some representation for... Uh, vile fat slug people in uh, Stellan yeah. Skarsgård as the vile Baron Harkonnen just floating uh, around yeah ugh. this is that's the this movie's gonna win best makeup for that <laughs> um, mm-hmm. good god uh, I think it's gonna snag all the technical awards uh, next year at least in, at least nominations it's gonna get like eight nominations and mostly because they're gonna rack up those Costume design, production design, best makeup, maybe best score. Mm. You know, I think all those things are are kind of a shoe in for for Doom. Yes. Um, Skarsgård played Bootstrap Bill in the Pirates of the Caribbean movies, and Doctor Eric Selvig in the MCU. He was also in Goodwill Hunting, Mamma Mia, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, Angels and Demons, and the HBO miniseries Chernobyl. And uh, Stellan Skarsgård is one of my all time favorite character actors, and he is so gross as the Baron. Just the worst human, I guess you could call him. It's just vile horse, horse shit of a human being. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Disgusting. Reminded me of the, the on Scary Stories to Tell in the Dark, of that fucking fatty that was just like, ugh. Mm. And, ugh. When, when, uh, What's his name? Vladimir. When Vladimir floats and the belly is just out and he gets real close to Oscar Isaac and the belly is just like right in front of him. I was like, I would just run. I would just run the other way. <laughs> Shit like that frightens the hell out of me. <laughs> so I thought Stellan was great. What, what? So you're afraid of like weirdly fat monsters? Floating. Floating is the big is the big thing there. Oh, okay. Okay. Like 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 the scary stories of Tell in the Dark when it's just kind of moving ominously and you're like, ah. I don't, I, I don't, I don't like how slow it's coming at me. I got you. Because okay. it can probably speed up if it wants to. <laughs> and so you, and, and, and then it can just eat me, you know. And yeah. and Stellan does a great job of just kind of playing playing a villain who you know, say like uses play on words like to get their way. And I, I love when villains do that when, when it's like, so join him, you know, and like, I told you you were going to be able to join, join her whenever, you know, this is done. So join her, you fuck, you know, like, I think that's, I think that's a great trope for villains to have, you know, and in, in a movie. And I, I thought that particular scene, you know what I'm talking about was dark and pretty brutal and kind of brought me to the edge of my seat for a little you know, it took seven hours to put him in that makeup. Ooh. That's dedication. No 
That's a whole, yeah. that's the whole day. That's the whole day. Just yeah. preparing to work. Yes. That's fucking crazy. Um, Oscar nominee, Josh Brolin plays Gurney Halleck, Derek, uh, not Derek Duke. I don't know why Derek came to mind. Duke. Cause you know, Paul, Paul, Luke, Derek. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I just threw Derek in there. Cause it made sense. God damn it. He's the Duke's bodyguard, I think. Something like weapons expert. Something to do with that. Yeah. Kind of unclear. Um, Brolin was nominated for his performance in Milk. He plays Thanos in the MCU. Was also in No Country for Old Men, Inherent Vice, Hail Caesar, Deadpool 2, and Sicario. Very cool career this guy's had. Uh, his voice, instantly recognizable to anybody as fucking Thanos now. That's the one thing that I hear now. But uh, he was good. Uh, kind of brief, but uh, good, good role. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite scenes of the whole movie is when he's, he steps in because Duncan is gone. He steps in to do some of the, the training with Paul. And I love when he's like, you know, you, uh, Paul says, I'm not in the mood today. And he's like, what mood? What are you talking about? You know, uh, you, you always fight when it becomes necessary. And then, Paul's like, fuck you, you know, and starts going at him. And he's like, I guess you found the mood. You know, I love, I love scenes like that where it's an older seasoned guy who's clearly fought a lot of people and probably killed a lot of people with the young, you know, apprentice. Uh, I, I love scenes like that in movies. And I, I thought he was really effective. He's Josh Brolin's a fucking superstar. That guy. I mean, he played cable and Thanos in the same year. So, you know, everybody else that's kind of like step off, you know, you can't really, can't really touch the guy. And, uh, you know, he's worked with some of my favorite filmmakers of all time. Uh, his role in inherent vice is absolutely hilarious. The scene where he just eats a bunch of pot is so awesome. And then, uh, Lewin Moss and no country for old men, just a jaw dropping to me an Oscar worthy type performance. Uh, him and Javier Bardem, obviously Bardem, the guy who guy who got it. But I think I think I think Josh Brolin is going going toe to toe with him at times in that movie, and he has one of my favorite lines from any Cohen movie, and that's when he says, uh, "I'm fixing to do something dumber than hell, but I'm going to do it anyways." Good. <laughs> <laughs> His, um, I think I've talked about this somewhere, but I'll bring it up again. Uh, Caleb and I went to go see Inherent Vice, and we were both like, "This is fucking terrible," but um. <laughs> <laughs> The scene where, <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> the scene where um, Josh Brolin is yelling for more pancakes at the yeah. Japanese place. And he's like, Muto, Muto Panakeko, Muto. Caleb and I just started yelling that at each other. <laughs> Muto, <laughs> just randomly, because we thought it was hilarious. It, um, is, it is hilarious. <laughs> also in Sicario. Uh, mm. so that's, a, that's a guy that Denny wanted to bring back. And he is so good in Sicario. At one point in Sicario, he's wearing like Crocs. And you're just like, this guy's just talking about going and like killing people uh, across the border. And he's just chilling. Like he's lounging. Like, I feel like Josh Brolin is the only guy who can do that. <laughs> he's, he, he's a one of a kind. And he seems like one of the coolest dudes, uh, you know, offset, like uh, uh, away from the camera. He, Composes himself with a really, really cool humor and uh, 
kind of an honesty about what he does and an appreciation for what he does. He, he knows he's lucky to be in the spot he's in. You know, I, I love when actors feel that way. They're like, no, I'm like, there's, there's that one. Um, uh, what are they called? Those, those videos that you and I like a lot. Um, uh, where the actors talk. Uh, yeah. Um, Fuck, what are they iconic called? characters or something like that. I just call them the GQ actor video. GQ, yeah, GQ is yeah. who does it. Uh, one of my favorites is uh, Jake Gyllenhaal. He talks about, uh, do I regret anything? No, I'm a fucking actor. <laughs> like, like I get to do, I get to be in movies. No, I don't really regret anything. I'm one of the luckiest people on earth. Uh, I've always felt like those are my favorite kind of people. And I think, I think a lot of people in this, Brolin, I think Jason Momoa is that way. Uh, I've always found that timothy chalmay kind of treats it that way he just has an appreciation for what he gets to do i love yeah. guys like that they seem like they'd be a lot of fun to be around i just watched a recent gq actor video uh, jeff daniels just did one oh and he was so cool like so yeah. grateful so happy to be where he is he and jim carrey are apparently super tight which is great fantastic um, and it was just really cool getting to hear him talk about, you know, Dumb and Dumber and the newsroom and arachnophobia and speed. And it was, it was badass. Um, love yeah, those. Love those. <laughs> uh, <laughs> finally, we've got Oscar winner Javier Bardem, who plays Stilgar, the leader, I think, of the Fremen, or at least this group of Fremen. Uh, Bardem won his Oscar for his performance in No Country for Old Men, was also nominated for his performances in Before Night Falls and Beautiful. He played the Bond villain Raul Silva in Skyfall. Was also in Mother, Vicky Cristina Barcelona, and Pirates of the Caribbean: Dead Men Tell No Tales. And uh, he's Javier. I've, of course, he was fucking awesome. I love Javier. Uh, but his role in this is very much as kind of like the envoy of the Fremen and human humanity. And he's already distrustful of humanity because of his dealings with the Harkonnen. So he's like, these are just more of the same, you know, same shit, different day. But he does start thinking like maybe Atreides actually do like, you know, maybe they are different. And that thinking saves Paul's life later in the movie. Yeah. Yeah. hundred percent. Stilgar is, uh, is one of my favorite kind of franchise characters who represents kind of the oppressed in a film and someone who, at one point he says it, he says, I, I, I judge too quickly about uh, Paul's mom. But I, I love that about a character, that honesty from a character who has been through a lot, like you said, has dealt with humans before and has this kind of distrust. You know, it's, it's kind of like, uh, I, I, you know, obviously these worlds, they have a lot of similarities to the real world and the way that the societies work. And I think that, he kind of represents, you know, just like the common man who's just fed up with like the government and fed up with the way things are fed up with uh, the fact that we all have to have this currency to last and to live and to survive. He kind of represents that the rebellion, you know, and I, I always fall in love with characters like that. And Javier Bardem being that guy, another very seasoned actor who's just, uh, I mean, they're, He's, he's simply one of the best to ever do it. And, uh, you know, do we really even need to talk about what he does in No Country? I mean, it's just a clinic. It's an absolute clinic in acting. So that guy, that guy's incredible. And to see him in this was, was cool. It's cool. It's cool to add another just awesome piece to this 
hope, you know, this franchise that's probably going to happen. Uh, it's, it's good knowing that, okay, now we have him, uh, Ferguson, Timothy, and Zendaya. Like all, they're all going to like move forward together in the next movie. That's awesome. That's good to know. Oh, hell yeah. So Dune has an IMDb score of 8.3, Rotten Tomatoes score of 82%. Very, very good. So far, it's grossed $220 million on a budget of $165 million, which is fucking awesome. I think that's like incredibly fast for the pandemic. Like, well done. Already made his money back. Uh, hopefully, it's enough for Warner Brothers to greenlight that sequel since Dune is only the first half of the book and there has been no guaranteed sequel. So hopefully... I think it will. I think it's going to be fine. I, yeah, I think so. I think, I think the, when I first started it and I saw Dune part one, I was like, okay, that's a power move. That's Denny saying, no, make it, make it fucking happen. <laughs> yeah. And, and then, and then uh, the, the, the end of the film, you know, is when we're seeing Bardem, Zendaya, Timothy, Rebecca Ferguson, all, okay, they're about to be kind of like on the same team and they're going to go fight. Yeah. Yeah. It's got, it's got to happen. I just, I, I, it would have to be kind of catastrophic for it to not happen because like you said, making over $200 million during this time at the box office is a huge win, huge success. Also with it being available on HBO max, that means people are going like consciously making the decision to go see it. That's fantastic. And I, I would think that if this came out in 2019, it would have made, you know, 400 or $5 million, $500 million. I just think of Denis back when he found out HBO Max was going to release it. And he was like, you've killed my movie. I'm never like the franchise is not going to happen. People are going to go see it. And here we are. So I would like to watch him eat a crow. And I don't mean yeah, eat me crow, the expression. I want to see him sit down and eat a whole fucking bird. Yeah. That would be that would be awesome. And uh, Deacons can film it. Yeah. Yeah, and win another Oscar. Yeah. <laughs> well, or what? Yeah, win an Oscar for best short. Yeah, best short film. Denny eating crow. <laughs> oh, <God>. Anyway, <laughs> yeah. Um, so Dune, uh, pretty cool. Takes place in the year ten thousand, which is like crazy. Uh, I read that in yeah. the mythology, apparently the great houses did come from Earth and colonized like another galaxy. So pretty cool. That's why his name is Paul. Yeah, that's why they're yeah, that's why you got Duncan Idaho. You know, you must have descendants from fucking Boise. <laughs> God damn it. <laughs> that's fantastic. <laughs> Just think, thinking about Jace Momoa's, you know, great, 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 great grandfather, you know, hanging out in Boise. Hi. I'm Duncan. <laughs> Oh, my God. Like a Hawaiian family emigrated to Idaho. Yeah. And just like nobody could pronounce their last name. So they said, fuck it, and just adopted the name Idaho. And exactly. Yeah. 10,000 years in the future. Here he is. <laughs> I'll take it. Uh, <laughs> I do. Yeah, I like we didn't really talk about Charlotte Brampling or uh, Dave Batista, who plays a fucking psycho. Um, I think is he supposed to be Sting? That's that's what I took. Yeah, that's okay. I thought so. That's definitely where I was with it. Dave Batista making himself a little career here. Yeah, he's doing all right. You know, I think he's doing all right. Yeah. I 
I hope one day to see a former professional wrestler get an Oscar nomination. And I'm wondering if it's going to be Batista or John Cena, because it sure as shit ain't going to be Dwayne Johnson. I love him, but no, <laughs> it's going to be one of these guys. <laughs> I'll tell you what, John Cena has knocked my socks off the past, you know, past couple of years. He, there's something deep, like deeper within. He's what his, his timing is way too good for, for being a, a fucking ex, you know, not ex, but still WWE superstar. His yeah. timing is way too good. To me, he's light years ahead of The Rock as far as just straight acting. Uh, the Rock, of course, is, is The Rock, and you know it's it's, it's Dwayne. Uh, but John Cena, what he does in Suicide Squad is just like by miles better than anything I've ever seen a fucking wrestler do. He is so good in that movie, and then that um, that comedy uh, the with Lil Rel Howery, uh, Vacation Friends. Yeah, holy shit. Wasn't that funny? That's funny as yeah. hell. His timing is his timing is crazy, crazy good in that movie. He's right there with Lil Rel, who's like that's what he does. Uh, he's right, like right there with him, just going kind of punch for punch. And I, I, I think like the sky's the limit for John Cena. No, yeah, for sure. These guys. I mean, remember, like wrestling is mostly acting. Yeah, yeah, it's a lot so, of showmanship. Yeah, yeah, yeah. you got to have that, and they, they, they have that. These guys who managed to kind of parlay that into a Hollywood career, uh, and yeah, Batista especially is picking some really challenging stuff, and I'm, I think it's cool he's become one of Villeneuve's guys. He was in Blade Runner as well. Yeah, and um, yeah, I'm, he's clearly going to be in the next one. Uh, they're going to kill him at some point. You're going to have to. Yeah. I want, I, we didn't get to see the emperor of the universe, you know, Jose Ferrer. We didn't get to see him. That's coming though. Yeah. I wonder who's going to play who, who could play the emperor of the fucking universe. And it's got to be someone who's because, you know, uh, like, like to me, Javier Bardem is a guy who could do that, you know, could, could play, could have that kind of like bravado. Like I, I would actually believe it. Be like, yeah, that makes sense. But I don't know who you can cast that's like bigger and better than that as far as an actor and just a personality. We talk an older, like probably an older gentleman. Probably, yeah. In that case, just going by the voice and the chops and the presence, I would cast Ian McKellen. I like that. I like that a lot. That would be, that would be fucking cool. <laughs> I hear that voice and I'm like, yeah, that guy could rule anything. Yeah. He could just uh, crush me with crush me with just you know just that the 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 tip of his fingers could probably destroy me. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, really cool. I think um, as I said, I think I said this uh, visually. This film is remarkable. It is a really, uh, really cool looking film. The score is fucking epic. Hans Zimmer outdid himself with this one. Uh, beautiful music. Uh, I think the, the uh, production design is insane. Each planet really does have its own feel, its own tone to it. I liked seeing the spice flakes in the Arrakis sand. I thought that was a really cool touch. Extremely cool touch, yeah. Um, My one gripe, and it's not really that much of a gripe, it's more of a like, eh, I, I thought the sandworm design wasn't great. I wanted more. I wanted more from the sandworm. Yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, I, I initially was like, oh, man, that's going to be the best part of the movie. Here we go. 
and it was more of a teaser than anything, you know, yeah. uh, the sandworm usually just comes up and you just see kind of like the, the mouth and, you know, it's got these huge fucking teeth essentially. And you were hoping to see the worm, even if it was just a, 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 you know, kind of a wide shot of the worm going in the distance, I would have loved that. I would love to see the length and the size of the worm. I know that sounds like a five-year-old, you know, talking about, <laughs> I want to see the earthworms, but it was, <laughs> but I yeah. re- but I really did. I really wanted to see that that kind of the scale, you know. Uh, but but we didn't get that. Maybe we will. Maybe we will in the in the second one. I mean, D- Denny has said, I I did all the work. I did all the basics. I did the legwork for part one. Now I'm just going to have fun with cinema in part two. Like that's what he's been saying. Hey, it's going to be wild. It's going to be a wild ride. I would love for the earthworms to come back and be a big part of it. I would love to hear somebody ask him if he feels like he's selling out by doing a franchise. Yeah, I know. Right. Yeah. It's like, dude, do you realize what you're doing? You know, do you, do you realize the stuff you're saying is exactly what you're doing and how you're going to end up, you're going to end up being able to make 10 more movies because of Dune? Like you idiot. (laughs) I want to see him like on a, on a, like on the street with a megaphone, like yelling about how shitty the Marvel movies are while also selling Dune t-shirts. Yeah. Yes, that's exactly right. And then eating a crow. Yeah. I don't know where that came from. It just suddenly I was like, I want to see that fucker eat a bird. But uh, I, I love it. I love it though. Yeah. I I'm with you on the worms. I wanted more. The original film, the the worm was my favorite part. Like yeah. you really bought how huge and frightening these things were. Like they, you know, they were like 50 times the size of the worm in the in the new one. And just had like a, a gaping maw that just devoured everything it came into contact with. Like these are the real rulers of Arrakis. And I wanted to see that. Um, hopefully we get, you know, maybe some, you know, size it up a bit. The second one. Yeah. Agreed. Yeah. That's, that, that's a, that's not a crazy gripe. You know, that's like, I just don't have a lot of issues with it. Yeah. I, I think it's a, sol- a solid flick. And again, obviously we like a lot of the performances, uh, and and then there's scenes in it that just make it worth the ride to me. That make it totally worth your time and kind of learning about what these you know different parts, different parts of the galaxy, you know what they mean and what what their legacy is. And I love that the cast can provide that without a you know giant explanation. They're they're able to you know and. That's that's got to go. That's got to go to the the adaptation, you know, to the to the screenplay, which is John Spates, uh, Denny himself, and and Eric Roth. Eric Roth is a fucking dude who's been all over the place when it comes to screenplays and really yeah. knows what he's doing. He wrote fucking Forrest Gump. Like the guy knows how to write movies. He wrote Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Insider, Munich. That guy's that guy's a fucking writer, a film writer, and for him to be on board for this, it shows because he's like, hey guys. Let's drop the let's drop the kind of pretentious side of things and let's just tell the goddamn story. And I think I think that works for this movie. I think I think that's I think most people who are fans of Dune or like the old one, uh, the 84 one and like the books, they're just that's going to be their gripe is that it's not confusing enough or it's not complex enough. It's like, well, but you're trying to get you're trying to introduce something and set up for a franchise. You don't want to just fail right away. And the 1984 one failed, like failed miserably. 
the director himself disowns it from his own filmography. That's not, that's not good. <laughs> that's not good for a movie to move forward and for a second movie to come. I think they made the right decision to kind of hold, tone it back a bit, just make the storytelling make sense and get, get it through the audiences that, like you said, these are the good guys. These are the bad guys. This guy's going to become, you know, space Lord, space Christ. That's what's going to happen. And if you're, if you're in, you're in. And I, I got to say, I'm, I'm a bit surprised I'm in, but I am. Uh, it's mostly yeah. due to the, it, it's mostly due to the cast. It really is. I thought they were just perfect choices. Uh, I don't even know who I would recast as all these people. I think getting Timothy to play Paul is the, the perfect choice. I think Javier Bardem was the perfect choice. Charlotte Rampling, Rebecca Ferguson, Oscar Isaac. Everyone was, everyone was spot on. I wonder who Jake Gyllenhaal is going to play in part two. Ah, yeah. J- J- and Hugh Jackman. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> bring in the, a- bring in the rest of the A team. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think, you know, I fully prepared, I was fully prepared to come in today and just shit on this movie for 20 minutes and then talk about French dispatch for the rest of the show. So yeah. I think the fact that I actually enjoyed this is kind of blowing my mind. Yeah, uh, me too. Me too. I'm looking forward to part two. Uh, I think it's funny that uh, Caleb and Josh didn't particularly care for it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. You know, uh, that'll, that'll, I definitely want to hear more about what they think about it. It sounds like mostly from Caleb, he just doesn't like Denny at all. Like can't stand him. So he really doesn't No, that has, that, that plays a big role in it. And uh, I would like to hear more, you know, about what, what they don't like. And I know Josh called it just kind of a meh movie. And I would like, yeah, I would like to hear more about what they think. Cause I, I'm I'm here to listen to it for sure because it definitely definitely has its problems for uh, again quote unquote Dune fans you know uh, and I'm not one of those you know I'm not someone who I also like you had kind of low expectations so I was surprised. Yeah, I give this film an eight. It's an exciting movie. Uh, definitely worth a watch. Um, if you can go see it in theaters, yeah, cool. If not, I we're not going to judge you. Yeah, check it out. Definitely go check it out in theaters if you can. But HBO Max is there for you if you have it. If you're not subscribed to it, then yeah, I mean it's definitely a smart choice to go to the theater. Uh, uh, I think I, I again, I think seeing every movie in theaters if possible, of course, hell yeah, do that, do that if you can. If not, if you want to try to take it easy, maybe sit on the couch. No problem with that. Uh, I also give it an eight. Uh, think I th- I'm pleasantly surprised and. I'm I'm basically in the exact same boat as you. I'm 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 gonna watch the second one whenever it comes out. I'll probably watch it the opening weekend, just like this. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I've been I'm inspired to actually, I think, finally open the book. I think I'm gonna try to read that soon once I oh have boy. some some more spare time. Good luck. <laughs> I hear. Um, you you read really fast though. I'm I'm a I'm a pretty slow reader. I take my time. With books, uh, I'm well. You've been in school for a long time. I dropped out my sophomore year of high school. My my kind of comprehension skills are just not not always there, and it sometimes takes me. Sometimes I have to read a page like three times just to kind of like, okay, I read that. It's in my head. Now let's move on. <laughs> and I and then like my older brothers both read like bang 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 bang. <laughs> just they move through books like it's nothing. So I. I have, I have my issues when it comes to reading, but I, I do love it. I do love to catch a good book. And I've heard obviously great things about Dune. 
more of a power through guy. Like I'll just keep going. And if I didn't get it, like, fuck it, we're on this page now. <laughs> and I just yeah, keep I reading. Can't, I can't do that. I start, I start getting anxious and I'm like, wait, did I miss something important? <laughs> uh, probably some paragraph that doesn't matter. Yeah. <laughs> well, I'm going to give it a shot. No promises. I mean, if, if, if I start, you know, nodding off or just losing interest, I will, I'll put it down, <laughs> but I, I'm going to give it a shot. I, I did buy it. Um, there you go. Well, thanks for listening, everybody. If you like what we do, feel free to follow us on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or at Filmgasm Productions. If you want to suggest films for us to check out, you can throw us a message through all the socials or email us at filmgasm at gmail.com. And if you want to support the show via Anchor, you can always click on support this podcast on your preferred podcast provider. Any green is appreciated. But even if you don't, we still love that you took the time to listen to the show. Thank you very much. Hell yeah. Uh, next week, shit gets spooky as we tackle two promising horror movies. First up, Edgar Wright's latest mindbender, Last Night in Soho, as well as the long-awaited Guillermo del Toro-produced creature feature, Antlers. Both theater releases, both highly anticipated by the team. Uh, cannot wait. Uh, both these look fucking epic. Yeah, we do. Yeah. Oh, yeah. We've also got the sure-to-be-horseshit prequel, Army of Thieves, which I don't know if anybody's fucking looking forward to this. Uh, did you ever, did you watch army of the dead? Zack Snyder's Netflix. What'd you think? I thought it was garbage. Yeah. <laughs> did you ever think, I wonder what this German safe cracker was up to before no. the zombies showed up? No, no, no. I, I didn't get that movie at all. I didn't understand. I didn't understand. Like what, why, what, what am I doing? Plus it's, it's like the same runtime as Dune, but just doesn't have anything worth worthwhile for me. I don't know. I don't know. I, th- there might be people out there who like it. I just don't get it. Yeah. We, Caleb and I spent a long time just ripping that movie to shreds on this podcast. Cause we both hated it. Um, and now they're making a prequel for somebody. I don't know. I don't know why Netflix has decided to go all in on Zack Snyder's weird zombie, like cinematic universe here, but uh, army of thieves comes out on Netflix on Friday. And if you really hate yourself that much, you can watch it. It's up to you. <laughs> <laughs> and of course we are also getting the possibly horseshit sequel paranormal activity next of kin on paramount plus uh again like bare, like barely any uh marketing on this one and just kind of dropped on paramount plus as like a, oh here by the way paranormal activity movie we made in about a weekend so again probably not gonna talk about this one that much uh we might watch it and might mention it but I highly doubt this is going to make waves. Yeah, no, it's yeah. Paranormal activity just needs to give it up. Yeah, just move on, move on to something else. But those, but those other two are going to be battling for time on next week's sneak preview: Antlers and Antlers versus Soho. <laughs> oh boy, it's going to be cool. Don't miss the 1986 cult hit "Trick or Treat" on Wednesday's Filmgasm, or the 1968 horror classic "Rosemary's Baby" on Oscar Sunday. Have a great week. Let people enjoy things and keep watching movies.